All right. Hello there. Welcome. My name is Jeffrey Sidoris, and this is episode four of this live stream call-in audio show experiment thing. <laughs> Still unnamed audio experiment. And as today is International Podcast Day, not national, but international, worldwide, I thought I would uh, share a story from one of my current favorite podcasts, Digging Deep with Robert Plant. I subscribe to a lot of podcasts, currently, God, I don't even know, somewhere between 20 and 30, but I regularly listen to only a handful, and even then, I rarely listen to every episode from any given show. But Digging Deep is one of those rarities in that I've listened to every episode, some more than once. I came into the show midway through season three completely unaware of its previous existence. And I started out the same way I do with many podcasts, cherry-picking the episodes that look interesting to me. But for this one, I ended up going all the way back to the beginning and listening to everything. And it helps that the episodes are only about 15 minutes long, something which I probably should consider regarding the length of my own shows. But those 15 minutes are dense. Robert is a terrific storyteller, and he's got loads of them to share, which sort of brings me to the point of this particular story. In each episode of the show, Robert, with the help of his co-host Matt Everett, chooses a song from his back catalog and shares stories around the creation of the tune. And sometimes they're about the places uh, where the songs were written or recorded, who he collaborated with, or how they fit into the continuum of his life and body of work. Other times, the stories he shares have very little to do with the actual music, which was exactly the case for this particular episode, which was focused on uh, a terrific Tim Buckley song called Song to the Siren. Now, I was unaware that this was a Tim Buckley song. The only version I had ever heard was the um, version that Elizabeth Fraser from Cocteau Twins did for a record called This Mortal Coil in 83 or 84. Well, Robert covered this song for Dreamland, his 2002 release. But the story around the song isn't what I'm focused on. It's, it's more of a story about soccer football, uh, which Robert is a huge fan of. Um, he loves football, and his favorite team is called the Wolverhampton, the Wolverhampton Wanderers. And he rarely misses a match, according to him. And, and in fact, he loves them so much that he ended up showing up unannounced to the 2018 end of season party and got up on stage with the house band and performed whole lot of love. So to say he's just a fan might be a, a little bit of an understatement. Uh, 
Anyway, the night before recording this particular episode of Digging Deep, Robert was in Barcelona supporting his beloved wanderers. And at some point, he and his friends were, as he said it, held in by the cops. And apparently, he didn't say why, but apparently this went on for a while. And his friends kept saying that he should just tell them who he is. And he said like something like, what's bad enough that you know? Uh, and he got serious for a minute. And he said, I didn't want any more of that. And which is sort of the entirety of this admittedly long-winded setup. It's what this has been leading up to. Robert Plant, you know, this this icon in music, the the how is he referred to the the blonde Apollo of rock, right? Could have easily gone with the cliche of "Don't you know who I am?" But he didn't, because that's not who he is now, not anymore. Um, in fact, when he toured with the Honey Drippers back in the '80s, do you remember them, the Honey Drippers? Look them up if you don't know them. Uh, they would have one of the road crew ask the particular club organizer where they were booked who's playing that night. And if the response was Robert Plant rather than Honey Drippers, they just packed up and moved on to the next place. They left because he, he had left that life behind. He had left the idea of being sort of this iconic front man behind and was now just a member of the band. He was a collaborator. Now, it, it may very well be a benevolent sort of you know dictatorship. I don't know if it's completely democratic, but the way he tells his stories, the way he approaches music, there's a respect, there's a reverence, there's... And it's not just for the music. It's, it's for the people who help him realize his vision of making that music, whether that's band members or engineers or, um, you know, producers. Uh, so with, with this one little story, we got to look at who he is now and who he maybe was when he was fronting Led Zeppelin and how that experience in Led Zeppelin allowed him to become who he is. And he no longer needs the adoration, the spotlight, the excess that was afforded him in his younger days. So I guess this was a long-winded story about integrity, um, but it just it also gave me a chance to share a really great show with you. Uh, there are three seasons in. This last season, season three, was recorded in front of a live audience. So audience members got to ask him questions as well. Um, and it's just, I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, but now it's your turn, right? What are some of your favorite podcasts? Uh, what do you never miss an episode of? Or we can talk about something else entirely. Uh, it's your call. 202 539 0209, or you can Skype me at Sidoris, and I'd love to hear from you. This is Vienna Ditto.
right. That was a tune called Hold On by Vienna Ditto. Uh, you know, something just occurred to me before we maybe get to some calls that I, I kind of wanted to share too. Being that it's podcast international, sorry, podcast day, um, I was, this is sort of a backup story. It's sort of a kind of plays on on the importance of objects that John and I talked about uh, a couple episodes ago. I was uh, moving, the, the way I, I record things, I, I have a work drive and then I've got my backup drive and my backup drive is where I have all of the, um, well, backups for all the shows. And the other day, uh, probably a week ago now, I was uh, moving episodes that I'd finish editing over to the the backup drive sort of for cold storage and i uh i accidentally replaced instead of merged everything uh so it um well long story short it kind of wiped out all but the last basically three episodes of process-driven iterations in between um and there was just this pit in in my stomach uh that I had lost all of this source material now I can go back and get you know obviously the the final versions of the shows are fine you know I can go grab those but losing the source material even though I've never gone back and re-edited a show to my knowledge I don't think I have uh but losing that source material was still kind of a blow because it's all of the original conversations with everybody that I've talked to from Crudson to Dan Winters to, you know, uh, whoever, name somebody, everybody that I've talked to, all that source material is gone. So I, now I, I could do uh, a backup, I guess. Um, and in fact, I, what did I use? Disk drill just to see if I could see everything. And it's all still there. I mean, it didn't overwrite all that data with ones and zeros. It's just, you know, not in the allocation table anymore. So my, my conundrum is, is do I just let it go? Do I just not worry about it and, uh, and just deal with the, the sort of fallout from it, knowing that if I, if I really do need to go back, I've got the finished version. It's sort of like, you know what it is? It's sort of like keeping the final JPEGs and dumping your raw files for all you photographers. And I do know some photographers who do that. I know actually more than I thought I should uh, photographers who do exactly that. They get the final edit, they dump the raws because they think, well, I don't need them anymore. I've got the final edit. This is, this is the snapshot of, of what I want this photograph to be. It's the best that I can make it right now. So that's it. That's all I need. So I'm kind of taking that attitude of, of those shows were the best I could make them at the time, you know, and I'm not, you know, Paul McCartney. I'm not going to go back and remaster my podcast from 2012, although I did uh, reach out to Bill and, and ask his opinion and ask if he ever kept all of the, uh, the episodes of OTP. And he was quick to point out, no, that, that he did not. He just, once the edit was done, he deleted them and and moved on. So I think that's what I'm going to do, but man, you know, that, that pit in your stomach when you just go, what have I done? What have I done? I had that for days and, uh, uh, I, I think I've finally made peace with it 
and, uh, you know, I'll just move on and maybe I'll be better about it in the future. Maybe I'll start keeping things in the cloud. But for now, all I've got are those final edits, which I tend to use everything I record or most everything I record anyway. So it's probably not a big deal. Um, but man, yeah. Anyway, uh, two, what is the number? Two, zero, two, five, three, nine, zero, two, zero, nine. Or you can Skype me at Sedoris. There are a couple of people in the, uh, in the chat on YouTube. Guys, if you want to call in, feel free. Uh, if not, I might play another something, another song. Do I even have Skype on? Do I even have this? Am I even ready to talk to anybody? Um, yeah, I am. So, uh, maybe we'll play one more song since people are still kind of, kind of getting in. Uh, what do we want to play? How about this one? This is, oh wait, hold on a second. Maybe not. Hi, who's this? Hey, it's Fred. Hi, hey, Fred. 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 Hey, Fred. Oh my gosh. What's going on? What dimension? You got to turn down. I've always wanted to say this. Turn down your radio, Fred. Well, that's what I got to do, huh? <laughs> I know. That's not radio. But I think we're just on audio, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, just audio, no video. Good. That's probably best. Yeah. For both our sakes, right? Right. Uh, yeah, it looks like your video is still showing up, maybe. Uh, Unless it's... Oh, there it yeah. is. It's gone. I'll it's gone. Some... How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Nice. Um, yeah. Nice. Hold on. Can you... Let's see. Yeah, you're good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that something someone can say? <laughs> I love that. Um, let's see. Do, do you... Am I not... I'm not echoing back now for you. That's good. No, I, I, I have stopped watching the YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and uh, now I can just hear you. So as long as it's just you and me. It's just you and me. Um, it's just, yeah, just, yeah. just us two. How are you? How you been? I haven't talked to you forever. It's been a very long time. Yeah. It's been, uh, I've been okay. Yeah. You know, trying to uh, survive all the, the, um, the world going to hell. And, yes. Uh, yeah. Which, which it's, it's so funny. It's like, you don't, we get to this point where we, our, our level of sort of desensitization keeps getting tested, right? You know, it's, well, it can't get any worse than this. And then it gets worse. And then, well, yeah, okay. But, but now it really, really can't get any worse than this. Yeah, it can. And then it does. And it does. Yeah. And you just, you, you shake your head and you're like, Oh, yeah. and it, and you think now it really can't get any worse, and then there's a debate. <laughs> right. Right. Was that what that was called? I don't think so. And then, it, then it's it's and it's anybody's guess now. It's anybody's guess. Um. Yeah. Well, there's there's yeah. We shouldn't go down that route at all. Nope. Because that's nope. that's not so. It's not. It's. I need to take a break. That was what, that's what started this, this whole thing is just taking a break from all the noise and making some of my own noise. <laughs> I prefer your noise. Thank you. I, Thank I you. enjoy all podcastings. Thanks. So what's going on? Are you, are you still shooting? Are you shooting a lot? Are you shooting a little? What's, what's happening? What's going on in, in your world? I am still trying to shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, a, um, but things like, when when the pandemic hit and like everything pretty much shut down, my studio shut down and 
because my kids basically came to my studio to do their schoolwork. Mm -hmm. So, and my wife's a teacher and I helped her set up a, um, a way of, of a multi-camera setup because she teaches elementary art. Oh, so wow. like a down shoot camera as well as the camera on her laptop. So she could zoom in to students who could then like follow along or create wow. videos. Could, can wow. we geek out for just a second? May I ask you a, a, a gear setup question for that kind of thing? Sure. What are you using as a switcher? Because I, I know like the hotness right now is the ATEM Mini. And I know a couple people who actually Freddie Clark's got one. And then I know a couple other people who have one and they, they love them. What are you using to switch back and forth between like the, the main, you know, camera A and, and the top down camera B and, and any other uh, sources that you might be using? Uh, it's all software, actually. It's all software. Okay. Yeah. I'm using a program called Cam Twist. Cam Twist. Is that like like an OBS type thing? I've heard of that one, too. And I've well, heard... you can use it along with OBS, but it's kind of that, that same idea, right? OBS allows you to have like multi-camera setup. So um, the Cam Twist allows you to uh, um, control the other cameras. And then um, I use another program called Camera Live which allows me to plug in, um, usually when you plug in your camera, your digital camera to your computer, it wants to, to um, uh, download everything, right? Right, right. Or camera Live will allow you to actually turn it into a live camera, so you can use it as a webcam. Excellent. And you're using like DSLRs, you're using Canon, Nikon, does yeah. it matter? Because I know some of them are, are brand specific. Um, this doesn't, this is not brand specific. Mm -hmm. So I think Sony's creating a, um, a live stream software for their, for their cameras. And I think Canon has something as well to do it, but it might depend on the camera. Mm -hmm. Um, the, what Sony has right now is just PC only and I'm a Mac guy. So yeah, yeah, that doesn't help. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, I, I went really cheap. I did not want to go out and buy a ton of gear mm -hmm. and, um, and things. Uh, you know, I ended up getting some extra lights and things like that. But, um, uh, yeah, we went, we sort of just hacked it all together and, and um, it, it works. It's incredible how resourceful people have gotten in creating these these home sort of studio environment. I mean, that's what it is, right? It's a home studio. Yeah. Uh, especially, I mean, can you imagine five, even five years ago of, of thinking about being able to do a multicam live stream setup in your home for less than, you know, several thousand dollars. Right. Well, live streaming sort of became, it was about five years ago where it was becoming a little bit more mainstream, mm. um, but you did need the gear for it. And that, you know, but it was sort of like from a few hundred dollars for something that might work to a few thousand dollars for stuff that would definitely work. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of, um, it's amazing what, what people can do and people like have thrown together these like free apps you can just go and get and and like OBS and stuff like that, which is like amazing that that works. It's so incredible. Can, it's, it it really is. Up. Yeah. That's people are doing those like someone's playing a video game and then there's a little head in the corner. You know, that's what they're doing. But Cam Twist makes it work pretty well. Now that you have all of the uh the hardware and software kind of dialed in, are you, is that informing maybe what you produce for yourself moving forward? Or is this, is this strictly, 
you know, sort of your your wife's domain for now with teaching. Is there any sort of crosstalk happening there? Um, a little bit. I mean, I'm, besides doing my photography work, I'm also sort of, I started a little side hustle of doing um, Mac tech support. Because mm-hmm. um, that's what I used to do full time before um, before I gave it all up to to be a struggling photographer. Right. Because um, <laughs> no, who needs money? Right. No stability overrated. Come on. No. Yeah. Fortunately, the wife has all the stability, and I can just sort of cling on and and hold on for dear life. Um, well, apparently, as, as as long as you can come up with seven hundred and fifty dollars at the end of the year, you're good, right? <laughs> exactly. That's all you need. <laughs> Because, you know, if I could just figure out how to, like, get that, you know, $40 million uh, <laughs> loan, right. and, you know, and I'll be losing money every year. And then maybe the government will have to pay me. Right. How has, uh, how has your photography evolved in all of this since, let's say, February, March? Um, well, you know, it's funny. Everybody seems to be taking up their, uh, their Corona projects or, like, sort of, like my wife decided, like like um, sewing was her thing, mm-hmm. so she's like super into sewing right now. I actually pulled out my old four by five camera, and now I'm shooting film. Oh wow! So that's my Corona project. Wow! Uh, and uh, it is it's a a rusty old muscle that I'm trying to to put a little oil on and and figure out how it all works again. But um, but it's it's kind of fun, and I I'm, I'm enjoying it. Are are you playing that music in the background? Uh, there is a music school above me in my studio. I, I feel like you're in a club and you and we're having. I, I'm I'm picturing you like with a brandy or something and a smoking jacket and you're just sort of playing us along. Uh, yes, that's exactly. <laughs> it's so lovely to speak with you. That's right. At least I was actually teaching an online class um, with one whole student in it uh, this last week. And they, All at once? <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know, I couldn't keep them in line. It's all, <laughs> one student. It's all I can handle. Um, and they were also playing upstairs, but they were doing scales. At least now they're playing kind of mild kind of background music. So Right. Um, oh, it's kind of groovy. The, the drummer's not there, which is really important. <laughs> So the drummer's going. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have to wrap it up when, the, when Ringo arrives. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I'll just stop talking and listen. If Ringo, if Ringo shows up, I will just stop talking. Right. Wouldn't that be amazing? Just out of the blue, Ringo shows up. For, for some, there's something that you didn't know about. And you hear it's this all, beat, and all. you're like, wait a minute. That sounds familiar. Yeah. He's always welcome. Right. I, he's, he's, he should come on to you know, your podcast and talk about... Drumming. Well, you know, he was time. going to, but uh, I had to bump him. For, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, there, was, uh, there was a thing that... Uh... <laughs> right. Right. It was, it was two for one nachos down at uh, the restaurant. Right, right. Seven Eleven was having a thing on pepperoni slices, and who am I to miss out on that? Exactly. Exactly. Well, man, thank you for uh, for taking a minute and calling in. I appreciate it. Oh, sure. I I, I enjoy your podcast, and and uh, you know we go way back to, to all those black dogs, and right. And, um, 
You know, I had a, a guy that I used to teach with at uh, a photo school in California. He has, man, I don't remember even what it's called now. Is it Black, Black Dog's Rule? Something like that. Anyway, he, he has this whole thing where he, he his, his uh, one of his kids has diabetes. And they first got a dog to um, uh, act as, as a service animal to, to, you know, kind of alert. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like an alert dog. Yeah. It would know if his sugar was dropping or something. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I can't remember what it's not, it's not black dogs rule, but it's, it's something along those lines. And, and they've got, you know, or they had, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but they had multiple, um, black dogs and were really just sort of advocating, you know, owning black dogs. And it, it always remind every time I saw what he was doing, it reminded me of what you were doing. And, and every time I was like, what you were doing, it kind of reminded me of what he was doing. So, yeah. Awesome. I actually had a guy just contact me recently about the Black Dogs Project because he's doing, he wants to do a movie or, or a, no, a theater, I don't know if it's a movie or a theater project, um, equating Black Dogs, the whole Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm interested to see how it ends up turning out. I think right. it's a, it's a fine line to, to yeah, walk. I I don't know that I can see that right off the top of my head. Well, you know, those creative people, they do those yeah. creative things. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe if they're not great. Right. Someone right, thought right. that a rap, a rap uh, play about um, some old dead white guy. So, where was the That is true. Uh, you know. Jefferson, I think it was. Yeah, someone like that. <laughs> You know, I, I'm sorry. I didn't. I'm a horrible host. I didn't even ask you. Did you Did you have uh, something specific you wanted to to talk about, or were you just calling nope. to say hey? I'm just calling to say hi. Oh man, I, I love that. I was flipping through Instagram, and it said 23 hours ago that you were going to do a live thing, and it was like at five. I'm like, oh look, it's five o'clock. So I was actually been, about to head out the door. I just, I actually just finished playing with the four by five camera. And, nice. Um, have you so posted been, anything from the four by five yet? No. Will it's, that it's be not ready soon? For, no, not ready for public consumption. Okay. Not quite ready yet. I'm <laughs> I'm still like uh, getting used to um, not just manual focus, but like large format focusing. Right. And, right. You know, getting things to actually be in the frame properly. <laughs> yeah. It's it's something that I have been I, I've I've been circling it for a long time. Uh, wet plate, uh, and in fact, when I when I talked to um, Shane Balkowicz, uh he just kind of sent me over the edge on it. And, you know, we've talked about it several times since. And, um, you know, the work that he's doing is kind of amazing. I, I don't know that I'm, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a like four by five or five by seven or eight by 10, whichever large format you decide to go that that's one sort of layer to that, to that onion. And then putting wet plate in there where you're now you're under a, you know, five or seven or so minute time constraint. That's another sort of layer to that onion. And I, I, I it sounds amazing. I just don't. It's I, a, it's a serious commitment. Yeah. I couldn't, yeah, like I'm, I'm okay with like film and then I can take my time and I uh, develop it. Um, and then I can decide later, like I'm not, I'm not printing anything right now. I've, I'm just setting up a uh, 
um, a way to, to scan it. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, scan it. Um, so I can get it in the computer and then see how it looks. But I'm not ready to like go to printing yet. Right. But, you know, well, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. If it's anything like the previous work that you've done, I would love to see it when you're ready. I will share it with you when I'm ready. Yeah, good. Good. And then, I mean, like, you know, you can give me the, you know, your input on it. I'd love to hear what you think. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan. I mean, I'm a fan of, of you know, process and, and going sort of out of our comfort zones to, to get to someplace new. And it sounds like that's exactly where you're at. So, yeah, I'd, I would love to see it. I'd be, I'd be really pleased to see it. Awesome. Yeah. The, uh, you know, it's for me, it's like something new and something old at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had this camera literally sitting in my basement for a decade. Wow. Like, okay. You know, it's Corona time. Let's, uh, let's break out the, the, the really big monster camera. Right. Let's, see how it works. <laughs> let's be as obtrusive as we can walking down the street with this thing. <laughs> There's, I know, so I know some good film photographers in my area that like I have a friend who shoots with an eight by 10 people who I can, who I was able to lean on and like say, Hey, what am I doing? It's like, do I, how do I, is it really a, this dilution for this chemistry? You know, I just getting those, those old wheels spinning again. Right. Is, um, it's interesting. Well, and I've heard that, that eight by 10, I mean, four by five is one thing, but eight by 10 is like a whole other, that's a whole different animal when you, when you, you're getting into there. It, it, it is um, and a multiple of other problems. It's not just like four times bigger. It's there's all other kinds of problems that, that arise where something could go wrong. Um, but then you have this beautiful eight by ten right. um, that you can either enlarge from um, or even just make a contact print, and it's still like gorgeous and amazing. Right. Um, and, yeah, and there's yeah. you know it gets us back to that that the physical object thing. And, and if, you know, I mean, you've, you've heard me yammer on about that for a long time. I mean, it's, there is something inherently magical about an object like that, um, whether it's on paper or on, you know, tin or on glass, there is just something special about it that transcends the image. All right. You know, in the same way of like when you're painting, right, it's like, the, each stroke makes a difference versus like, you know, taking a picture and cropping right. like digital for me is, 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 you know, it's so easy at this point from the standpoint of like how the process works. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I go back when it's like, if I, if something is in the frame that I don't want there, it's much harder to get rid of. Right. I mean, if I want to like keep the integrity of the film, it has to be everything that's in the frame is going to be in the frame. There's nothing I can do about it. Right. So, you know, if I don't prepare for that ahead of time. Um, so I find that I'm, I'm appreciating that process of like really having to think of each corner and everything in between and, and, and making sure that everything's going to match up. Right. I'm excited uh, for you. In fact, it's, it's, I mean, it, maybe, it, maybe there's a reason that we're having this conversation. It's, it's sort of getting me, you know, thinking about this again. Cause I, 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 like I said, I've been circling it for such a long time. And I think that there's something in there about about wet plate and and some sort of hybrid with my work, my painting, and and some way of combining them. So I, I don't know, but there's something in there that I keep circling. 
well, you like process, right? Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. about like getting your hands dirty and getting in there and, and, you know, feeling the, the creation process, not just the, the end product. Mm-hmm. I think that's where something like, you know, whether it's, it's your painting or doing, um, uh, wet plate or, or even just shooting film, you know, it's that physicalness of, of being involved with the process. Yeah, absolutely. So I think absolutely. that's a, that's a big thing. So I love that. Yeah. And you should definitely like, you know, hit up your friend and say, Hey, I want to come over and we're going to shoot some wet plates. And then you can kind of like really see what's involved. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's been really kind about offering, you know, he's like, get here. He's in South Dakota, uh, but he's got this beautiful studio and has said, you know, if you can get here for a few days, you'll leave with all the knowledge you need to, you know, to start doing this on your own. Yeah. Up in, uh, up in Maine, there's the, uh, Maine media workshops, I think Hmm. it's called. Um, and I think they actually teach that up there as well. Oh, wow. Oh, you know who else does is uh, uh, Scully and Osterman, Francis Scully. Um, okay. They're teach. In fact, I think they're still teaching at uh, the, the the Eastman Kodak House in Rochester. I think that's where they're still at. But they were doing oh. workshops for a long time. I I had a chance to see her speak um, at the National Gallery, and we talked a little bit about it and. You know, even then was like, yeah, you know, if you can get up there, that's what we do. So the, the resources are there, despite there only being, you know, what, maybe a thousand people in, in the country that are doing it right now. If, if even that, maybe a hundred people, who knows? I don't know. Nice. Yeah. Oh, uh, Richard Boutwell just says, yeah, they're doing remote ones now, too. Thanks, Richard. OK, so good to know. There you oh. go. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be. That's a, it is sort of one thing that's come out of all this is that what people like wouldn't do of like, okay, we have to do everything in person right? and, and the ability to do stuff on now that everyone's sort of forced to do everything online mm-hmm. that, that people who would normally not do stuff online is doing stuff. And right. Now you have more access and it's becoming a little more accessible. Right. Yeah. There's been this forced evolution that's, that's kind of changed the game for all sorts of things. Yeah. Out. Yeah, good stuff. All right, Jeffrey. I'm gonna. I gotta run. Okay. Uh, well, thank you. I really appreciate you calling in. Thanks very much. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. All right. Take talk care. to you soon. Aw, that was really nice. That was really nice to hear from him. Gosh, been a long time. Uh, okay, I'm gonna play us. Uh, what am I gonna play us? You know what? This is a tune by Pedro Santiago. This is called Time. This is a really terrific tune. And uh, we'll come back in a little bit, maybe take another call if you're, if you're willing and able, 202-539-0209, or you can Skype me at Sidoris. Uh, this is Pedro Santiago.
Right, that was uh, Pedro Santiago, and uh, who? Hold on, we got somebody calling in. Hold on. Hi, who's this? Hey, this is Richard Boutwell again. Hey, Richard Boutwell, what are you doing? So I'm good, good. I, I'm going to make this one a quick one because I got like, dinner in the oven, all that stuff. Um, you got to get what? What? You, I said I got dinner in the oven. So oh, I you got dinner in the oven? I thought you said I've got to get in the oven. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, uh, so I know, so International Podcast Day, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but um, Sasha Wolf Project has a good um, good series going on right now. She's been doing it for a few months. And a uh, thing that made me think about it just now is uh, your conversation the other day on Process Driven. Mm. You kind of mentioned Todd Heido. Right. Um, and he's one of the most recent episodes, and it's a good listen. So, uh, oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I think the podcast is called Photo Work. Okay. But it's Sasha Wolf, and she's a gallerist out of New York. I'm writing it down. Okay. Yeah, I love Todd Heidos. I, I stuff. I would I would love to talk to him. He just did a thing with, uh, oh, what's the, uh, what's his name? Played Aquaman. His, his Instagram tag is Pride of Gypsies. Uh, Jason Momoa. Is that his name? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jason Momoa. He just they he Jason's doing this this documentary series. I don't know where it's even at now, where where they're showing it, but he uh followed Todd around for the evening and Todd brought them books and prints and and I guess he's just a humongous fan and it was really cool just to see, you know, that that dynamic of of you know, somebody who you recognize or, or appreciate as one thing, you know, here's this, this guy and we, we know him as this actor, this, this, you know, whatever, but there's this whole other side that he's willing to share and show and reach out to some of the people that, that, you know, that inspire him or that, that he really likes and, and make something happen. And then we get this other conversation that comes out of that. I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, very cool. 
Uh, do you know what it's called again? I might go check it out. I don't know what it's called. It's if you look on his Instagram, Pride of Gypsies, all one word. Okay, got it. okay. He's got some some video and and a couple stills. I don't know where it's. If, and if you find out where it's happening, maybe I just missed it. But if somebody out there knows where uh, Jason's doing this this show, what it's part of, um, either you know, let Richard know, let me know. Uh, and and let's see if we can track down some of this stuff because, you know, he seems like a really cool guy and he seems like he's he's just doing it out of his own curiosity. It's not this sort of, you know, it doesn't seem to be any ulterior motive to it. It just se- really does seem to be him wanting to have a good time and, and talk to the people that he finds interesting, which I can totally relate to. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm but I mean, you know, other than that, all the money that I'm stuff. making from this, which is, you know, it's obvious. Yeah, yeah. You're just raking it in with that, <laughs> yeah, with yeah, the yeah. Patreon and the uh, <laughs> everybody, everybody, give some money to John, uh, <laughs> to Jeffrey, because. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, go eat. Go eat dinner. Thank you for right, sharing no that, uh, Sasha Wolf. Photo work. I will go listen to it. Yeah, it's a good listen. All right. Thanks, Richard. All right. Take care. See you. Yep. Bye. All right. Well, that was nice. Always nice to learn about a new, another new point on the curve. Um, do you find that you listen to or read or, or just take in more stuff than you did pre-COVID? Or are you trying not to let that happen? Are you trying to do the opposite, sort of get out into the world, even if it's by yourself. I know we can't really, you know, go out to movies and restaurants and everything, but uh, one of the things that we're fortunate to have where we live is uh, our house backs up to uh, this this giant forest park thing that, you know, has trails and horse trails and there are stables and, you know, an ice rink and tennis courts and you know, all kinds of stuff. And it's it's this really incredible resource that we are uh, very grateful to have in our backyard. I mean, it, and it, when I say backyard, I mean, it's it's a three-minute walk from our front door, which is incredible. Um, so, yeah, so it, it, I wonder if, if, you know, folks are getting out or are they, are you limiting yourself in terms of what you kind of allow yourself to experience? I know that earlier on, uh, when was this? Maybe... March, April, somewhere in there, man, I had to, I had to just pull the plug for a little while because it, it was, it was overwhelming then. And if I'm being completely honest, it's even more overwhelming now, but I'm, I feel like I'm managing my level of input and interaction, um, a lot better than, than I was. I, I, you know, I've, started using screen time on my phone to sort of track how much time I'm in front of this little thing. And, and, you know, I try to read actual books more, not, not electronic books, nothing wrong with electronic books, but, you know, as as an object person, as a materials person, there is something different about, um, and again, I'm purposefully using the word different, not better. Um, there's just something different about, about holding a book in your hand that I, enjoy more. So I'm doing that. I'm trying to get out and run and get out and walk and just be in the world and not be glued to comments or white noise or, you know, whatever else is happening. Um, so I, I, I hope that, uh, that you are able to do that as well. 
because this stuff is, uh, oh, it's hard to deal with in large amounts. Uh, I'm going to play one more tune, maybe even just a piece of it if somebody wants to call in. 202539020209. This is Ian Sutherland. I'm going to come out of this a little early uh, because it just reminded me of something that we were talking about over dinner. Uh, was it last night? Night before? Uh, we, uh, we, we introduced the, uh, the 14 year old to nine inch nails. And uh, I guess, you know, why not? Right. Because uh, everybody should know about nine inch nails. 
And I was I was telling the story about my first time seeing Nine Inch Nails. And uh, I was, it was after college, and I, I had a friend in college who was a dancer who was friends with Peter Murphy, who, uh, if you don't know Peter Murphy, Peter sings uh, in a band, well, sang, now sings, I guess they're back together, in a band called Bauhaus. And he had known Peter for a long time. And I was, uh, I was in Atlanta, and this, this friend of mine called me up and said, you, you, Jeffrey, you must come to see Peter. You must come to Atlanta to see Peter, because he was playing uh, at the Roxy, right? So, so I was in, uh, where was I? I was in Montgomery, Alabama, um, Atlanta, not too far. So I said, yeah, okay. So I went, and uh, opening up for Peter was Nine Inch Nails. And I'd never heard of them before, but there was this buzz. There was there was just this this thing. People talking about Nine Inch Nails in the lobby, and you know, out front, Nine Inch Nails. Oh my God, Nine Inch Nails, Nine Inch Nails. And and honestly, I I was like Nine Inch Nails. What a, what is that's a dumb name. I don't even know about that. And I was completely wrong, by the way, uh, because they have since become one of my favorite bands. But uh, they lights go down. And this, this sound that I can't remember ever hearing something like this before starts and there's strobe lights and, and just heaviness. And it was, it was incredible right straight away. And they lower Trent Reznor down out of the flies, out of the fly space uh, above the stage. And he's, bound and upside down and wrapped in, you know, God knows what latex. I don't even know what. Uh, and, and he was just, you know, just going for it. And I remember just being absolutely blown away by, by what I was seeing. Um, and had become a fan by the end of the show. Uh, the next day, went out and bought Pretty Hate Machine and have been a fan. What was that? 19... 89. So, you know, 30 plus years. Um, but that experience, I remember that, that so well, that that concert experience, I'd been to a lot of concerts before and I've been to a lot of concerts since, but I haven't been to a lot of concerts that, that hit me like a, like a sledgehammer like that one did. Um, so maybe next time, unless somebody wants to call in now, uh, but but next time maybe we can pick it up and talk about, um, you know, those types of experiences, whether it's a concert or whether it's a movie or whether it's uh, a, a, an album or a song or those types of experiences that that stay solidified in your brain no matter what else comes and goes. Uh, I am incredibly fascinated with what I can and can't remember about those things. Uh, let's take a call. Andre. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. I've got a question for you. Yes. Might be I, a long one. Can, can I, wait, can you tell me, are you, where are you right now? Where are you? Prague. 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 It sounds so yeah. exotic. <laughs> yeah, I wish it did. I wish it actually was. <laughs> it's not. I mean, you it's you say you're in Prague, and, and you. 
all I can think of is, is Michael Hutchins and his long hair singing, walking through the streets of Prague in that video. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a nice looking city, but it's kind of tied to my question, actually. Okay, hit me. Like, I, I've noticed you've been really creative recently. Like, yes, for well, thank you. First of all, thank few you. few years and just, just going at it. And ever since I left London, ever since I moved to Prague, I just had a shit year. Sorry, crap mm-hmm. year. <laughs> no, you can say it. Whatever you need. All right, all right, yeah. And the question is, how do you stay creative? Like, how do you oh, so just a, tell yourself? Oh, so just a like, simple question what's then. What's the point? What's the actual <laughs> point? Um, you know what? I, uh, that's, that is one of the great struggles that I face, honestly. I mean, not to, not to be overly dramatic because I know it's, you know, artists and, and people who are trying to create really do sometimes make a lot out of it. And I think sometimes that's warranted. Uh, you know, it's hard to put things out into the world. It's hard to, to, um, create something that is, that is of yourself, um, because the blowback, if, if, if you've got a certain personality type, and I, I think that I do have that kind of personality where if, if the blowback is negative, that gets taken very personally. That becomes more than just a reflection of the negativity is more than just a reflection of the work. It's, it's negativity now personally directed at me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so I, I think the short answer is I have had to, and I, and I think it really, there, there's a different, I've experienced something different with this last body of work. And I think one of the big reasons behind that is as, as much as I was able to do, I stopped doing it for an audience. I gave myself uh, a few creative problems to solve. And my goal was simply to solve those problems in new pieces or bodies of work for me, not for an audience. I mean, it's, you know, how many, how many weeks post the, the, the finishing of all this and they still haven't seen the light of day. I still haven't posted all of the photos somewhere. I still haven't shown them. I still Mm -hmm. haven't. So the, the, the idea of an audience um, removing that from the equation I think helped me to get over what the potential reaction from an audience would be because I clung to that probably too tightly than was healthy. And while I still think the work does want to ultimately find an audience, um, you know, sort of my, my friend, father Bill would, would say, you know, a painting's final resting place is on someone else's wall. You know, uh, the idea, the last step in the process is to get it out of the studio, out of your life and into someone else's. And while I I tend to believe that, taking that variable out of the equation and just making work that, and it wasn't even work that I liked. I didn't have to like it. I just had to have some sort of reaction to it. I had to have Mm -hmm. some sort of, of, um, gut level reaction you know i mean none of these pieces that i did are are 
they're not going to hang in MoMA as these great pieces of work. They're not. And I know that. But part of the lesson, part of the obstacle was being okay with that, right? Because remember, when I, when I stopped painting in college, I kind of came to the conclusion that, that I was never going to be, you know, I don't know, whoever, Pollock, Rauschenberg, de Kooning, you know, d- d- Paul Clay, whoever, pick one, you know, I was never yeah. going to be one of those people. So if that's the case, what's the point? Well, the point is, years later, because it brings me joy, because my hands in motion is by and large the happiest I am. When I'm making something, even if the, the thing that I'm making is crap, you know, I'll angst over it afterwards and go, wow, that was really crap. But in, in the moment when, when, you know, my hands are in motion and, and paint is being applied or scraped away or carved out or wax is being, like whatever the, if I'm working with materials and trying to, to build something out of nothing, that is the happiest of places for me. It's the angst comes later in going, well, what's anybody else going to think? What does it mean? How do I monetize it? You know, like all of this bullshit yeah, yeah. that we get caught up in, you know, do you know how many, and, and it happens with everything. It happens with podcasting. It's, it's one of the reasons that, that I finally said, I'm going to do the shows that I want to do. I'm going to talk to the people that I want to talk to. I'm going to talk about the things that I want to talk about, and I'm not going to chase listeners. I'm not going to chase sponsors. I'm not going to do stamps.com or Squarespace or, you know, all that other stuff because I don't, I don't want to be beholden to anything except my own curiosity. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to be beholden to. And if I'm satisfying that, I don't really, I mean, not to be a jerk, but I don't really care what happens beyond that. You know, yeah. I can't control what happens beyond that. I mean, if I'm being completely honest right now, as we are doing this, there are nine people listening to this. Nine. <laughs> right? There are more people in 7-Eleven down the street from my house right now than are listening to this. <laughs> but you know what? That's okay. Because yeah. this thing, this this thing that I'm trying to make, that's the point. Yeah. You know, I, and, and I you, you are a phenomenal photographer. I mean, you and I have talked about this. If you guys want to hear Andre's story and see some of his work, go listen to, I don't remember what, you know what, I'm going to look it up live. It is process driven. You know what? I'm going to look it up. Hold on one second. Dead air, dead air, dead air. <laughs> um, I mean, we can just play Hater Delilah again. It, it, in my head right. now. it is process driven <laughs> number 25. And it is a conversation with this man right here who can I can I can I toot your horn here for a minute? All right. This guy decided <laughs> Andre decided, like volunteered and paid his own money to learn how to handle himself in a conflict a conflict zone and went to the front lines in Ukraine to make photographs of what was happening there. Do I have that right? Pretty much. Yeah. So, and the, the photographs are human, they're personal, they're intimate. Um, you know, I, I'm a fan of what you do, man. You know that. 
So thanks, man. Tell tell. I mean, let's keep going. What what's what's on your mind? What what is it that you feel is missing, or what do you need to feel inspired to pick up your camera For again? Me, it it wasn't about an audience. I couldn't care less mm-hmm. about what an audience thinks. Of, audience thinks about my work. For mm-hmm. me, it was more like, what's the point in the long run? Like, think five thousand years from now, it's all gonna be gone. What's the point of creating anything? You know, unless wow, you... that's yeah. But I mean, that you can't it, think about that. It's kind of nihilistic. I, I know it's kind of nihilistic. Yeah. but that's just the way I was thinking. But now you made a good point that you know it's it's enjoyable to do at the moment when you're doing it. And, like and it's a byproduct would... of the experience, Andre. Your photographs yeah, are heard... a byproduct of your experiences. They 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 let us see you saying, "Look, I was here. I was here hmm. with these people. We did this. We talked about this." And you you are so terrific about adding annotation and context to what we're seeing in the photographs, right? That's that's mm. wildly important. These people, some of the people that you photograph may not be walking the earth at the moment. Some aren't. Okay. But you are and uh, yeah, uh, Adrian just said it in the comments. You are a witness. You mm. are bearing witness to a life other than your own and you are documenting that and you are you are to the best of your ability making that available for all those who are interested. And I think that's incredibly valuable. Uh, mm. Putting yourself on the front line, it's, you know, I, I wanted to be a photojournalist in, in high school until I, you know, made the realization that there's a more than, you know, average possibility that I may not come back and, you know, forget mm. that. I don't, I don't need that. But <laughs> what you're doing is important. And the fact that you chose to do it, you weren't, this is, this is you shining a light on something that uh, not a lot of people are shining a light on. And I mm. think you bring that same sensitivity, you bring that same, I mean, let's call it vision, it's an overused word, but that's what it is. You bring that sense of vision, that, that, that eye to the street work, whether you're in London or whether you're in Prague or whether you're in, you know, Wisconsin, I mean, it doesn't, yeah. I don't, I don't know that it matters. I think you would find the humanist side of that story wherever you're at, you know, I'm I think. I'm trying here. Yeah. I, I still got to get over the point that Prague just seems, I might be mean to the city, but it just seems really uninspiring to me photo- photographically. What it's, would inspire you? What, what are you, know, what are you looking for in Prague that you're not finding or that maybe you did find in London? Is there something um, that you can put your finger on? I think it's the people. The people. It's the whole way the city operates and exists. Like the people in London were much more open, friendlier. Uh, there was much more happening. Here in Prague, it feel, like I'm not sure it's like this. I've only lived here for a year. Mm-hmm. But it feels to me like it's either grumpy people on their way to work or the center, which is made to just juice every single penny out of every single tourist it can find. Mm-hmm. It's just that, and that's it. Like you don't ha- you don't see locals in the center. You don't see people just going about their day, going to restaurants. Just locals. You just see tourists. You see Airbnbs. You see ridiculously expensive restaurants. 
Is there something in there that you can tell a story with? Can you tell the story of the city center versus the story of the outskirts and how those are very, very different experiences? Can you show the, you know, the two sides of of that? that? I thought of that. Uh, But the problem is I'm kind of disgusted by the way the center is operated. It just feels too forced. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's it's like the city is embracing its new newfound fame in the world mm-hmm. that everyone's traveling to Prague. Like you gotta visit London, you gotta visit New York, you gotta visit Prague. You know, it's among those cities now that you just have to visit. And it just feels to me like it's um, dishonest. Mm-hmm. It 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 just doesn't have that natural, nice, relaxed feel of London. Like when I walk Trafalgar Square. And suddenly there's just these two dudes in massive sumo suits having a fight just for the fun of it. Right. And then they're riding around skateboards and jumping into uh, fountains. Or when you just walk down Spillefjord's Market and there's a tango lesson happening out in the public, out in the open. And, and you don't park. have that in Prague. There's, there is no... No, 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 no not really. I you mean, don't see that sort of overt level of joy and happiness. No, there's been few moments, mm-hmm. but... It's just so few in between. Like the last time I was really happy with my images from here were in November where we were celebrating 30 years from the Velvet Revolution. Mm-hmm. That was a really powerful night. That was really nice. And I think that's it. Like since then, I've taken a couple of shots in the last month because I started working in a camera shop. So I'm meeting likely-minded people again. Right. And that's kind of forcing me to go out and take more shots. Until then, I didn't even touch my camera. Are there areas of the city that you could visit that you haven't visited that maybe might allow you to see the city as a whole in a different way? I'm trying. I'm really trying. Mm -hmm. Um, It's... Or getting outside of the city altogether? Are there there towns and villages in the surrounding areas that you could visit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, there's definitely some stuff happening here and now. Sometimes, uh, like, um, there's some markets. There's this really nice French market happening. Like, there's some stuff happening mm-hmm. that could be interesting to forget. I'm also kind of fighting myself here because I've turned pretty lazy in the last year. Uh, what do you think caused that? With, like, is, is it all COVID uh, or is it, is it, did this, did this unhappiness with no, your own work start then? No, this was pre-COVID. It's, it was more of a depression, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been getting better now. Now I'm finally actually leaving my house. I'm not playing Warzone as much anymore. Right. <laughs> did you here now did you talk to someone about it, or what was the change for you? How did you how did you kind of get under the cl- out from under the cloud? Uh, new job. New job. I started mm-hmm. working in a camera shop again, and I'm finally doing something I enjoy again. I mean, money wise, it's horrible, but at least I'm doing something I enjoy. You mm-hmm. know, I'm helping people with photography, this occasional workshop or a lesson here and there, trying to get into wedding photography as well. Mm-hmm. I would love to go back to Ukraine or go to Afghanistan for a while. But just money is just making that impossible at the moment. Plus right. COVID is making everything impossible at the moment. We're just about to have a new state of emergency in our country. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. A the new level of lockdown or what is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second wave is here mm. pretty much. Mm. Is more infected than there was on the first wave, and it, you know, face masks and everything are mandatory again, wow. because it was pretty, pretty loose and like pretty calm in the last, like the whole summer, pretty much. 
Mm-hmm. You could go to a cinema, you could go to a restaurant, you didn't have to wear masks, nothing. It was really nice. But now it's back. Like people, they got too comfortable and it just got worse. Wow. And now it's worse than it was the first round, you said? Pretty much. I actually have a colleague who's been tested positive as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, we're just seeing what another colleague's getting tested sometime this week. So we'll see if we got it as well. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you do you feel like you've been safe? Do, are you concerned? Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel all right. I mean, we wear face masks at work all the time. Mm-hmm. So pretty all right. I mean, I had coffee with him a couple of times, but, you know, it should be all right. It's been more than two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and, and no symptoms happened. in those two weeks? No, 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 no. Yeah. no yeah. nothing happened. Yeah, man, I just realized I sound like a proper downer, don't I? <laughs> no, you sound like, you know, you sound like the rest of us that are going through this this stuff to one degree or another. And I think this is, you know, this is this is one of the, look, I'm no expert, but I think talking to people and, and hearing other people's experiences and, and uh, getting a different perspective on things, it helps me. I mean, I, I, mm. I appreciate you being willing to open up about what's going on with you. And I don't know what I can do to help other than you know, share my own experiences and maybe something's in there that, that, you know, you can work with. Um, There's actually been two things that really helped me yeah. get out and take more pictures and actually just try. And that's been your iterations. They always just put a smile oh, to my face. Man, thank you. And I haven't done one in a while. Like, yeah, I miss them, man. They always, they, I always just listen to them on the way to work when you put them out and they just hype me up when, you know, creative wise. And then uh, Niels and Kevin's Fujicast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah those yeah. guys, they always just make me laugh on the way to work. Like, people look at me on, in the trance, like, who's this crazy guy? And I'm just laughing like a crazy person. Yeah. I, I, I like <laughs> Kevin an awful lot. I've, I've never, ta- I don't think I've ever talked to Neil. I, we're, we're supposed to get together at some point and, and have a conversation. Uh, I love what he does. I, I was a big fan of Breathe Pictures when he was doing that. The thing that he's doing now with Photography Daily, boy, mm. what okay. a marathon that is. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, he's doing new stuff every single day. And I think part of it is kind of going back and revisiting some older work. But then part of it is having all these new conversations. And I, I love what he does. He's got his production is great. Um, mm. His his sort of intent and the way he comes at a conversation. I'm, I'm a big fan. Well, he's got the years of BBC you know, right. experience. Right, in, right, right, in, right. So yeah, he's he's doing an amazing job. But your iterations as well. Like, thank you. I really appreciate I hear that. Him, it just I just feel like I need to grab a camera and go out and do something. Well, you're good at it, man. I mean, I I, I know I've said it before, but I'll keep saying it if it helps you. You <laughs> thanks, man. You produce really <laughs> incredible work, and it's it's work that needs to be seen. I think. <laughs> I'll I'll see if I can get something more interesting out soon. Good. It's, it's gonna take a while though. Well. <laughs> whatever you need. All right. And, and in the meantime, if, if you ever feel like talking on or off, you know, hit me up. Sure. All right then. All right. right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Uh, that was cool. Thank you, Andre, for calling in. That was really great. Um, I think maybe we went a little long, but absolutely worth it. Um, you know, it's, it's tough. It's it, it's tough without trying to create something. It's it's tough without trying to figure out, you know, what it is that you're supposed to do. 
but man, when you add that in on top of it, it's, it can be paralyzing. And, uh, you know, I, I've been there, you've probably been there at one point or more in your life. And, uh, I'm just grateful that, that, you know, I've been able to kind of get a handle on it. And, you know, sometimes it requires talking to people. Sometimes it, it requires just head down and doing the work, but it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough out there. So I, I appreciate everybody taking the time and, and sharing, and I appreciate Andre being so honest about what he's doing. Check out his work. Uh, again, that was Process Driven 25. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but I think that's going to just about do it for this edition, episode, installment. What do you want to call these? Um, thank you to everyone who called in. I really appreciate it. I hope you're enjoying these. I'm having a great time. I'm uncomfortable. I'm, I'm out of definitely out of my comfort zone in doing these. But um, people much smarter than me have said that's exactly where you need to be. So uh, if you've got questions or feedback, you can definitely leave those uh, in the comments on YouTube or you can connect with me directly on Twitter or Instagram at Jeffrey Sedoris. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S. You can find me on my website as well, jeffreysedoris.com. You can send me an email at talkback at jeffreysedoris.com. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of if you like. Um, and if you'd like to subscribe to my other shows, uh, iterations, which Andre mentioned, in between and process driven, you can subscribe to Jeffrey Sidoris everything wherever you listen and get all of those shows in one feed. Uh, this show is also part of that feed show. Whatever are we calling it a show? Should we call it a show? Jesus, did did I did I just commit? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, earlier in the week, I released a new episode of Process Driven, and it's a terrific conversation with a Finnish photographer. Her name's Maria Lax, and she made this book, this photo book called Some Kind of Heavenly Fire, which is is based on a book that her grandfather wrote about a series of UFO encounters in this small town that she grew up in in Finland. And it's it's a beautiful book. Uh, I, I really enjoyed talking to her. She's terrific. She's very easy to talk to. And uh, I'm grateful that I got to have that conversation. So that's in, in uh, the Everything feed as well. I think Wednesdays are going to be good for these. Uh, I'm still not sure about the time. I like five feels a little early, but I like that it's still early enough that the UK folks, you know, like Andre, um, can, or not just UK, but Europe, uh, can participate. So I, I kind of like doing them early so that, you know, there's that. I've thought about alternating earlier and later, but that seems like it might just be a pain in the butt to keep track of. Like, oh, which, is this the early week or is this the late week? I don't know. Uh, if you've got any suggestions or, or feedback around that, uh, you know, leave a comment or shoot me a message. I'll be happy to, uh, to talk to you about it. Um, all right. I think that's going to do it. Thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. I appreciate the time. And, uh, I hope these are interesting. I hope these are maybe even fun. Uh, but uh, let's do another one next week. I'll talk to you on the next one.